This show contains movie spoilers and swearing. Welcome back to another episode of Bite Size Cinema. I'm your host, RJ McCready, and for this episode, I'm going to be taking you guys back to the year in 1981 to look at the cult classic horror movie, American Werewolf in London. And joining me for the show today, it's been a long time coming. A is for Apple and B is for Boz. Boz, welcome to the show. <laughs> hey! <laughs> oh, that was from my little sting, wasn't it? I'd forgotten that. It's been so long since I had a podcast. <laughs> See? Boz, I do listen to your show, mate. There oh, you go. You. It's a little Appreciate shout out it. to Thanks. your show. So, welcome <laughs> now to Now I just black on everybody else's whenever I can. Let's just keep yourself going. Not <laughs> a problem at all. <laughs> well, I, I finally reeled you in, mate. I thought, come on, come on to Bite Size. Let's get Boz on here. We need well, to you, you bribed me by saying I could talk about lightsabers. So that <laughs> well, this is it. Yeah, we're going to forget about American Werewolf in London. We're going to talk about Star Wars and your lightsabers. Um, let's get into that. What's going on with the, the lightsaber thing? There's a lot of stuff going on there with you at the moment. Um, oh, mate, it's been, it's been a whirlwind. It's been an absolute whirlwind. Yeah. Um, and the funny thing is, is I've been talking about it because I've been at this for probably... Well, I first got... Uh, interested in it about two years ago. Yeah. And, um, well, just going to go back further than that. When I when I was a kid, I, do, I don't remember a moment in my life where Star Wars wasn't a thing. Oh, you it came out in 1977, in yep. the year I was born. Right. And the hype took a few years to get going. So I grew up into all of it. All my kids, school, all my friends at school had all the toys and every stick I've ever picked up since I could walk went <laughs> and I moved it around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's just what you do. Um, so I was obsessed with swords my whole life. And then I got into fencing and uh, found a legitimate way to do swords. But um, I used to fence competitively in the UK up till I was about 16. So wow. had a national ranking, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I went into martial arts a bit, uh, looking for the fencing replacement because my club had closed and nothing really fit the bill. I did mm-hmm. Taekwondo for a few years. And I just sort of flitted around, really. Went back to fencing, fell out of it, went back to it, fell out of it. And uh, sort of get to two years ago when the last of the... What's what's a ninology? <laughs> the ninth movie in the series came out. And <laughs> yeah. we, we went to the... Um, we went to the midnight screening because I'm a massive Star Wars nerd. I had to yeah. be at the premiere. So um, I go to my local Epsom cinema, midnight, walk in... And there's a couple of guys there in fencing masks hitting each other with plastic lightsabers. And they're like, we're doing a workshop. I was like, where do I sign? Yeah. And that was my introduction to Silver Sabers, of who I'm now a card-carrying member. And um, weirdly in that period, that was just a a satellite club that was sort of starting up. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a lot of traction. 
just as we were starting to get a bit of traction then covid hit because it took months to get sorted uh then into that period the, the main group in hendon in london who trained at the leon paul headquarters which is like the home of fencing in the uk yeah. they're the biggest supplier of fencing stuff in the world um they let us train at their headquarters uh the the guy who runs it there the big cheese he started doing online training videos and i realized that it was all tied into traditional tai chi oh okay right so it it sort of gave me the swords back, but it also gave me my interest in martial things back as well. And I'm like, could there be anything more perfect for me on this planet? Mm-hmm. It, it was just like, oh, my chickens had come home to roost. So I started training online. They then started online classes uh, to go through the basics uh, online. And obviously I teach my yoga classes online. So I've got a big room with a camera. So yeah. it was perfect. Um, and then, of course, when things started to unlock, I'd also moved house in the interim to north of London. So Hendon became my local club. Wow. And I started going down there every Friday night and training for two hours in what, like, 15-year-old me, if I'd walked into that room, <laughs> the fencing cell at Leon Paul. <laughs> I'd have just dropped on my knees and gone, I'm not worthy. And, like, the, the weirdest thing is I go there every Friday now and I couldn't give a shit about the fencing. <laughs> <laughs> So, so funny. So what's happened here is you've gone to a midnight show and this big doors opened up in your world, and uh, I think it's great. And myself here, Boz, is oh, I'm also a kid from 1977, so I'm kind of giving away a few things here. You know my secret identity, my yeah. other alter ego, which you know, which is a secret. <laughs> I won't uh, tell anyone. <laughs> but um, I myself do not know a world without Star Wars like I don't know a world without a fucking shark in the water either being <laughs> growing up with Jaws and all yeah. these other things that we grew up in the 80s and you know thinking that there was going to be a nuclear war and all that sort of stuff <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't think um, I focused on that ever I was just like when's the next Star Wars thing coming and why haven't I got an attack yet that, that was just see I, I actually got an attack for Christmas <gasps> yeah are you yeah, one of those that. rich kids? Oh, I ain't, mate. I'm not one of those. <laughs> oh, sorry, I had I a battle-damaged X-Wing, and uh, that was still nothing tops getting that. Honestly, it's still my favourite present. Oh, opening. man. I, I can still smell the plastic from those toys, you know? <laughs> it's just something about it. So, mm. uh, yeah, it's burnt into me, that is. Um, but moving on well, from... I was, just, oh, oh, sorry, I was going to no, say, no. Just, what legitimised it before that, though, I sort of missed that bit out, is that I found out... Uh, probably about eight months before I walked into that cinema, that the French Sports Council and their main fencing body had rec- recognised LED sabre duelling as an official sport with an official rule set um, and and ratified by their Sports Council. Right. So I was like, right, this, is, this isn't playing around anymore. This is going to become a sport. And I want in on the ground floor. So I started making inquiries in the UK at that point and I didn't find anything. Mm. Um, which is annoying because it means I didn't do my research properly because I should have found Silver Sabres because they've been at it about two, three years at that point. Um, so we're behind the French in that respect. Uh, so what a lot of what we're doing is we're trying to get it to become a competition sport as well as all the other cool shit we do, which is going to Comic-Cons, yeah, dressing up and fighting yeah. in front of people. Yeah. That's a good excuse so, yeah. for that as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the other thing I was going to quickly say, Boz, was you, you, you did a podcast. Was it a little pod of horrors? Um, mm. Yeah. What happened to that? Is it just the fact that you got busy with everything else? And uh, I know you, that was quite a long-running show for you, wasn't it? Uh, it was, and it, it, you know, it was never even my show. It was started by Gordon, who was my co-host, 
um, years and years and years ago, about the time I quit my first podcast. And uh, he'd moved to the States, to Indiana. He's from Edinburgh. And he said, um, yeah, I, I, I've got to fold it in. And it had been about six months. We were closing our show. We were doing like our penultimate recording. And he was in the chat room. And I said, Gordon, I loved your show. I loved the professionalism of how you set everything up. Mm. Um, I love horror films. I said, look, if you if you brought that show back, I would co-host it with you. And he did. <laughs> and then he took a step back and kind of went, yeah, you're kind of doing everything. Just just take it on. So uh, I ran with it for quite a few years. But his life just got more and more chaotic. The time difference was a problem. The problem really is having time to watch the movies. I was going to film festivals. Mm. And it was just me talking all the time. Because I was the only one I had anything to talk about. We dragged our mate Timo into it from Finland. So I had a two-hour time difference in that direction. And a five-hour yeah. time difference in the other direction. And we just couldn't make it work. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's a lot to try and sort out, isn't it? Similar how I got yes. into podcasting, actually. Because uh, Ricky Morgan invited me on to... Dude looks like the eighties, um, mm. and then he had to go away and do other stuff, and I kind of took over the reins, did that for a bit, and then created bite size cinema, and here we are. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like the American me, really. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I've got a new project. <laughs> yeah. Do this now. It's Ricky Morgan for you. <laughs> I love this stuff. I love it. It's great fact, stuff. Um, there's, there's, there's a kinship there because my very first podcast, which actually there's a couple of episodes online, if it was interesting, because I'm doing, I'm re-releasing the old shows just for shits and giggles. Mm. Um, it's called Here Goes Nothing Redux. Um, but one of the things we used to do is we used to do stuff like fake adverts and like skits and bits um, way back then. And I, I loved the hell out of doing that stuff. Yeah, it's all uh, the fun of it, isn't it? Yeah. Very time-consuming, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're here to talk about American Werewolf in London today, so what we do then, Boz, is that uh, we'll play a trailer to that film, and we'll come back soon, guys, and uh, see you shortly. Did you hear that? What was it? A coyote. There aren't any coyotes in England. What happened to them? Well, the police report said they were attacked by an escaped lunatic. Must have been a very powerful man. Jack and I were not attacked by a man. It's an animal. A wolf. Did he say a wolf? Yes, I believe he did. Did you get a good look at the man who attacked you? Doctor, my memory is fine. It's my sanity I'm beginning to worry about. You've never had bad dreams before? Well, sure, as a kid, but never so real, never so weird. I'm going to look into your eyes. <laughs> my friend Jack was just here. <laughs> your dead friend, Jack. Hi, David! He told me that I will become a monster in two days. The supernatural, the power of darkness, it's all true. Please believe me. Believe what? That tomorrow night, beneath the full moon, I'll sprout hair and fangs and eat people? You'd be surprised what horrors a man is capable of. Are you all right now? I don't know. I'll let you know the next full moon. I'm a werewolf. You're going to change. You'll kill people. You'll become... I know. A monster. 
David, don't lose control. Control? What control? David, I can help you. No, I'm not safe to be with. You gotta stay away from me. And welcome back everybody. So the synopsis to this film is two American college students on a walking tour of Britain are attacked by a werewolf that none of the locals would admit exists. It's got a 7.5 on IMBD, it's uh, around about a 90 minute runtime, and it was directed by John Landis. So, Boz, American Werewolf in London. First of all, do you like this film? Let's, let's ask that question. <laughs> See if maybe you like. <laughs> well, I wouldn't have jumped at it if I didn't. Uh, yeah, it's, might, it's, might just it's sit... up there for me. It's yeah. one of my all time faves. So, when did you first watch this film? Um, was it a little bit later on? or? No, this, this, the reason this film holds such a special place for me is, is it's what made me a horror fan. Ah. Um, there, there was inklings and other things along the way, but uh, by utterly fucking terrifying me. Yeah. Um, which I, I think is often a lot of people's story with horror. <clears throat> people who aren't horror fans don't get it. And I'm like, that's because you didn't watch something you shouldn't at about seven years old. Yeah. If you had, you'd probably be one of us. Um, but what actually happened was it was on TV. And my stepdad and my sister were downstairs watching it. I'd gone to bed already because mm-hmm. I was young. And they had the TV turned up way too loud. So I heard the wolf howls. I heard him getting savaged on the moors. Um, and the, the sound of it all up yep. coming up the stairs was yep. terrifying. I ended up screaming at the top of my lungs for them to turn the TV down. They probably felt awful. Um, and then a few days well I mean I I struggled as a kid at night I was scared of the dark badly because of a kids TV show I can't remember which one it was it was a Saturday morning TV show and they did this like ghost schools and something or other and it was like folklore tales and a little animated book thing and they Mm -hmm. talked about the black shuck legend and it terrified me (laughs) Well, there was a lot of fucked up TV shows when we were growing up, wasn't there? I think <laughs> yeah. terrifying. I mean, it probably looked completely innocuous now, but they they talked about people thinking they saw a black dog stopping, getting out of the car. Then it's not there. Uh, the bit that got me is then some people reported they saw one with a single flaming eye in the middle of its forehead, uh, and they'd right. done an artist's rendition of what this might look like. Yeah, I would wake up screaming seeing that thing in my bedroom. I, <laughs> <laughs> it was awful. Like the, yeah. it was so bad. I had such a, you know, sleep was. Well, when I went to bed, if if my parents came up to bed and turned off the landing light when they went to bed, I, I lived in dread of that moment. I had to fall asleep before they went to bed, otherwise the the lack of light under the door just sent me into this downward spiral, <laughs> and I get in trouble if I turn my light on. Well, the film <laughs> uh, talking about like that. Uh, the film that really fucked me up as a kid was uh, Watership Down. Fuck that oh, movie. Yeah. Go fuck that movie. You know, movie about fuck bunny runners. Movie. Yeah. Do you know what I, I mean? Oh, it's all right. You can, watch, you can watch that with you. I was around my nans. Oh, you can watch that with your sister. Holy shit in hell. Fuck. Yeah, that messed me up as well. Yeah. Never let a kid so, see that. No. Jeez. Oh, so dear. about three days after this occurrence, it turns out my dad had a VHS recorder and he'd recorded it off the telly. Yeah. That's highly illegal, but he'd done it. <clears throat> I found the tape and when nobody was around, I stuck it in and I watched it. 
and it scared the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. The, the the kill on the moor, the um, weirdly the the Nazi zombies bit didn't really have an impact at all, which surprises me watching it now because it was so visceral. Right. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. But of course, by the time you get to the when you get to the end of the movie and all the corpses are sitting in the cinema, you're like, this is funny. Like my child brain was did it, it missed most of the comedy up to that point because I, I guess I was just in shock and awe. And, and I was just at that age of, ooh, boobs. That's interesting. Yeah. I don't know why that's interesting, but it's interesting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so there's all these little bits along the way. And yeah. I just ended up adoring the movie. And it sort of cured me of so many things I'd been scared of. So when you watched it as an adult, did you kind of get that sort of cinema trauma at all? I mean, it's still today. Do you still feel like that seven-year-old? Does, no. Does, does, no, you don't. No, it's no, it's all love now. It, it's the the horror fan in me's taken over, and right. it's it's nostalgia, and it's um, the, the refreshing thing was when I watched it years and years later, because obviously you've moved on to other stuff. That 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 first sort of revisit, I was like, fuck! I didn't realise how much more dark comedy is in it than I had realised. Well, this is it. I mean, I was watching it last night, obviously, because obviously I fucked up the date when we were supposed to be recording yesterday, as you know, as I posted on Facebook. And, um, yeah, when I was watching it, because you watch it with more of a critical eye, don't you, when you're about to do a podcast, and I thought, this is... I I think I have realised it before, but you think this is partly a comedy, isn't it? It's sort of horror, comedy, horror, comedy. Um, I felt like there was a little bit of hammer in there if you know I mean I just know. you know where they sort of go into the slaughtered lamb you know and mm. you, you've got the doctor it, that could have been Peter Cushion for me do you know what I mean you know yeah, going out yeah. investigating stuff um, but for me the first time I actually saw this film was actually the VHS cover in the video shop so I uh, saw the werewolf and I thought oh my god that's, that's scaring the shit out of me <laughs> do you know what I mean it's the best <laughs> still to date I think the best werewolf design ever. Yeah. Oh my. I mean, let's just talk about the Rick Rick Baker transformation mm. scene. I mean, I was watching again. I was watching it last night, and I thought, this looks real. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I can't. This looks like a man that is turning into a fucking werewolf. I cannot fault that at all. I don't know how you feel on that, but it's just. I, I was worried myth. it wouldn't have aged too well, given what we've seen in the interim. But to be honest, I've seen it done so badly with CG. Yeah. And then badly practically as well. I mean, it's yeah, it's obviously stretchy latex, but like all of the hair on the hands has been poked in. It's like that takes hours and hours, mm. and it's just and the nose expanding. Yeah, honestly, it's brilliant. And I've seen the animatronic head at Universal Studios for that, so that mm. was a real geek out moment. Oh for right, me okay. well. oh wow, did you? Oh great. Yeah, there was. It's a, one of the attractions there, so they do like a horror show thing, and then they've got one of the heads or a version of it down there and they show you how it elongates the snout through the front of the face <laughs> wow. uh, which is the best bit <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. and i've got to mention jenny agatha in this movie as well she comes out of a fantastic line david i'm gonna be straight with you i've had seven partners in my life three of those are one night stands three t- couple of those are lovers i'm thinking what a line to a movie <laughs> Yeah, we get it all out there, love. And yeah, she does, doesn't she? Chuck it all in there. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, she has a special place for me as well because she was like, you know, prepubescent male. Um, our school let us watch Walker. Is it Walkabout or kind of? Is that the yeah, film? Yeah, that's right. Walkabout. Walk. She, she was, it was just... like at school. Mm. So, yeah, that made me feel funny too. So I'd already seen those. 
I saw them. <laughs> I saw them as well uh, when I was watching Logan's Run. Oh, of course. With yeah. my mum and dad, you know. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's great. Isn't she? I, and I, I, one of the bits I do love is like, I'm just a working girl. My, my flat isn't up to much. And she walks into this apartment and like, <laughs> as a person who's worked in London for the last twenty years, I'm like, yeah, yeah exactly, right. yeah. <laughs> Right now, I mean, actually, the price of shit really is fun in that movie, isn't it? Oh, that'd be a pound, please. You're like, really? Yeah. In Leicester Square? I don't think so. I was going to um, say, yeah, that's it. I can't keep up with inflation. <laughs> She's no, going like stuff like that. <laughs> if she was just a working nurse and she'd kept that flat, love, that's worth like 2.5 million now, Easy. probably. Easy, yeah. That's, that's funny. That's what I was thinking last night. I thought, oh, my God. Oh, man. Um, but yeah, no, the whole setup of this movie, there's some good lines. You've got Brian Glover in this as well, haven't you? Um, he turns up and Rick Mail, um, yeah. going back to the slaughtered lamb. Is that typical? Quite you've ever seen Rick Mail, that is. I was going to say that as well, actually. Yeah, he's very sort of withdrawn there, isn't he? But um, yeah, it's. I always thought that it was, you made me spill my pint, but you just made me miss. And I don't know why yeah. I keep thinking that. It's one of those lines, isn't it? You made me miss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, of course, you've got some... Again, you've got some comedy scenes here where he's waking up in a zoo and he's got no clothes on, hasn't he? And, you know, it's a bit of a dodgy bit, isn't it? He's in a bush and he's asking for some balloons, isn't he, from a kid. <laughs> yeah, this is dodgy, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's the full Benny Hill section, that is, isn't yeah. it? Like, there's full-on slapstick at points in this movie. Like with the guys at the doctor's office and he just knocks all the kidney bowls on the floor. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, um, I did notice that as well, because I just... Um, I did a review for uh, werewolves in uh, the Mystery Vault podcast that I do. Right. And I don't know if they've done it on purpose, but the thing with werewolves that they say is there's a cycle in the body to do mm. with the kidneys, and it's something to do with the water that spins around our body, and it's kind of like a plausible explanation for werewolves or something, and I just saw oh. the kidney um, trays, and there was a diagraph. Could have just been a, you know, Ooh. one of... I wouldn't I put that a, past Landis. Really yeah, wouldn't. it was just, you know what I mean? I watched it and I thought, oh, I don't know if that was done on purpose or maybe I'm just overseeing it, but whether it's mm. just a little Easter egg in there or not. Um, the other thing for you and I, I'd imagine, as well, as you mentioned working in London, uh, the thing with this film is I, I can uh, relate to these locations. So Piccadilly Circus. Mm. Um, doesn't look that much different now to what it was not in 1981, is it, really? You know? nah. Apart from the odd... Uh, was it porn cinema, was it, in the, on the main yeah. high street? Oh, I'll bring those back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love the fact that they shot the porn movie just to be in this movie. Yeah. Like, they didn't just get one off the shelf. Because there must have been some that are as awful. But and that the comedy in that is brilliant. Oh, yeah. yeah well, yeah. I told you never do this again. Never seen you before in my life. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh dear. That's what I mean. It, it, it bounces back and forth, doesn't it? So a bit of horror, a bit of comedy, a bit of drama. Um, yeah. Bit of an investigation as well, wasn't but it? But when it's yeah. nasty, it's proper nasty. And I'll tell you one thing that hit me because I. Um, th this is really great because I, I have DVDs and Blu rays and shit, but not a lot of them. Mm. And very rarely do I buy them. Very rarely. Because I, I struggle so much to keep up with what's new and watching new stuff. I'm not very good at going back and watching the old stuff. 
Mm. But I did buy the 4K restoration of this when it came out because I'm like, that, I have to have that. Like this and the thing, there yeah. was no question. I was oh, buying yeah, absolutely, that. Yeah. I still haven't watched the thing restoration. Mm. Uh, what I was a bit disappointed at is I thought that this Blu-ray had the documentary on it as well, which is longer than the movie, the one right. they did a few years ago and played at Fright Fest. I never saw that. Uh-huh. So I was going to watch that as well for this podcast. That's not on there. <laughs> Shit. You know what, for a 4K restoration or a 40, it would have been for that. But, um... Yeah, I was surprised. Um, but the obviously the 4K looks stunning. And I was expecting, you know, you, you expect to see the gaps in stuff they never thought you'd see because it was on a crt monitor or a, a, a crinkly cinema screen and um the prosthetics on jack the first time he comes in where he's fresh yeah fucking superb mm-hmm. like you you can't see the seams in the makeup like there are films now where i can see the seam in the makeup and the foundation overlaying the um you know the wound over the insert uh, you know and you're just like that was they were really i mean that's rick baker again isn't it just superb at their craft that's what i mean i mean i was, I was thinking this again when i was re-watching it uh, this film seems timeless to me as well i know it's set in the early 80s but there's nothing in this film that feel, really feels out of date at all it just feels like a really good film set in a certain time but uh like well, say, maybe a tube magic. station that empty but other than that oh Maybe, yeah, there's that. Although I have been in a tube station that late at night. <laughs> have you? I yeah. Actually, I have come down the escalators. Mm. And where you see the archway at the bottom, you expect to just see two furry grey feet pad out. Don't every you? damn time. Yes, yes I do. Every time. Yeah. I've been on the uh, Tottenham Court Road on the Northern Line. And um, <laughs> I can just still, I can smell it now. Because when you go down in those tubes, you just smell that smell, can't you? And I'm just thinking, American Werewolf in London. Here we go. It's going to happen. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's um, yeah, it's it, like I say, it's a good werewolf movie um, on the whole. Uh, is there any other werewolf movies that you think compared to this, or do you think this one tops the charts mostly? I mean, everyone says the Howling, but it it just never really grabbed me like that. And same with Silver Bullet. I heard about them sort of coming up and I was that was sort of built up oh maybe this will be as good but nothing really comes close you know apart from maybe American Werewolf in Paris now I'm taking a piss it's terrible oh, <laughs> God. Um, but I, I'm a massive fan of werewolf movies and it is because of this one yeah. um, but everything gets held to the standard of this I suppose the next best one for me is definitely Dog Soldiers Yes, yeah, I was going to say Dog Soldiers in a different light. I mean, it's got all the humour in it, isn't it? Um, mm. I quite like and the And the gritty British are. thing, I think, helps. Yeah, I think so. Um, I, when I watched that, I, I got it straight away, you know, with Sean Pertwee mm. saying he, he gives his watch to need to Spoon. Spoon goes, what are you going to do, Sarge? He goes, oh, well, I'll just have to count, won't I? And I thought, yeah, that's such a thing we're going we're gonna to say, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that's British humour right there. My favourite line in that one, again, the most British thing ever, is just he's in the kitchen, he's thrown a few saucepans at its head, it pins him up against the wall and he goes, I hope I give you this shit. Oh, it's just, it, it, that's the thing, it's a great script in that film, isn't it? It's just, yeah. it's so quotable, isn't it, you know? <laughs> and the wolves are so big and intimidating, and I, I love, I do love the fully biped wolves, I have to say. Like, actually, weirdly, the other film that does that quite well is um, the Underworld movies, like the early ones. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I know people slate those, but again, just because I love werewolves, I tend to love those movies, and because they're big. Yeah, I mean, I've got to admit, I do like the howling. I was talking to Bo about this yesterday, 
mm. um, on the other show, and I do like the is it the um, bipedic, as you said. I, f- I think that yeah. type of werewolf looks really good. Um, mm. And obviously that's um, Boutine, isn't it, that had a go at making those werewolves. And of course there's that crossover here, because Rick Baker was supposed to do the howling, wasn't he? And then he was kind it? of... Yeah, know. he was, yeah. And then he promised John Landis that he'd do this movie for him before that came out. So I think it came out at the same time. Because that another, that's another big transformation scene, isn't it, that was considered one of the good ones. It is. It's not bad, but the one in this movie is better. And I've mm. got to give it that. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, just... Uh, definitely. Yeah. So... And the um, only one that tried it recently was Late Phases. I've seen uh, that. Yeah, was that the one with the blind bloke? Yeah, I loved it. I, a lot of people fish. were a bit like, nah. Came up on the summer series and it didn't really get much talk, but I was just like... I, I think because the werewolves had kind of weird faces, a bit of a wide smile, a bit too cartoonish, but uh, just the whole conceit of him just fucking up a load of werewolves when he can't see them is brilliant <laughs> yeah I do remember I think it was like a bit of a budget wasn't it that cheap I think it was done on a bit of a budget wasn't it like an indie movie or something like that yeah which mm. uh, came on but um, yeah I mean there was there's the sort of the guerrilla filmmaking aspect at the end of it that's why I wanted to see that documentary because I think they go into deep dives on a lot of that kind of stuff um, but I think Leicester Square was like they had they had chance to do one take with all that, so they choreographed everything away, or the car crashes and everything else, and um, and they had like one go at it, and then I had to just sort of clear it in five minutes so they can open the roads again. Yeah, that's quite a good um, point, actually. Yeah, because I, I couldn't see any other way of doing that. They would yeah, have had to massively stressful. God, yeah, not off. Because um, I think I, you've got uh, Vic Armstrong in there as well as one of the stuntmen who did right. all the uh, Indiana Jones stuff. Yeah, if you want to check out. Um, podcast about stunt stuff uh one for your listeners uh look up the stunt pod um it's done by uh sort of a friend of mine blake and oh, yeah. uh, they they've interviewed i'm pretty sure him uh well they've interviewed pretty much everybody in the biz who's done anything people <laughs> star wars indiana jones like um but it's a real inside baseball look at stunt work yeah um because you know, it, it's disgusting, but stunts are still not recognised by the Academy. There is still no Academy Award for stunt coordination or best stunt or any of that. Stuff. People die doing this yeah, shit. People don't right, die yeah. doing fucking makeup. Mm. They get a fucking Oscar. Sorry, I'm quite sweary when I get passionate. Um, swear <laughs> right, don't show, worry, but... mm. I'm, I'm just swear all you want on this, but so I'll go. Okay. Got a bigger word at the beginning. Swearwolves. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> no so um yeah the, there's a lot of talk on there from people who you know have the position of isn't it time we got recognized sort of thing that's a really interesting discussion i, I found from that and they've got a lot of episodes it's not running currently but the back catalog is brilliant and if you are interested in stunts and how they're done and also innovation so they're talking to people like well this wasn't possible before so what we did was this um talking like you know the car barrel rolls that they do and how they just decided to chuck the seat out and just put bungees in all directions so the driver's basically floating on bungee cords. Right. So that the, the shock in every direction is sort of absorbed and you bounce around like a beach ball. Um, <laughs> and the talk of air ramps and hitting them wrong, hitting them right, hitting the bag, not hitting the bag. Uh, it's fascinating stuff. I always... Sorry for the shameless plug. <laughs> no, I always thought that perhaps maybe they did get a, 
uh, an Oscar or something like that up until no. you mentioned it now I never realised that they didn't because you know no I didn't I listened to their show I had no idea I, you just assume that yeah. if the makeup department can yeah. get an Oscar that the guy who flings himself 400 feet off a cliff can get one but no apparently not so what it's not even like a nomination or anything like that it's just no, it's not nothing. a category wow that disgusting be, yeah because without the stuntmen you wouldn't really have a movie would you let's face no. it do you know what I mean <laughs> Like, you know, pretty much any movie. You wouldn't have Indiana um, Jones, would you? That's why you sit. I mean, I, I got to know Blake recently, and we he, he helped out in a little short film I was involved with, and I was like, there's no stunts in this movie. He's like, well, somebody rides a bicycle. I'm like, yeah. He says, right, so you need a stunt coordinator-type risk assessment for, uh, do they have to go down a curb? They could fall off. They're not wearing protective equipment. If they fall off, what happens to the actor? Yeah? So yeah. you... <laughs> <laughs> You've got to cover every... I'm like, shit, yeah. He said, there's pyrotechnics, isn't there? Well, yeah, but they're not near anyone. So, you can still go off and hit someone. That mm. needs a risk assessment. You're like, oh, right, yeah. <laughs> so, stunt coordinators don't don't just do the big jump off a cliff. They look at every aspect where someone does something physical that could go wrong. That could be climbing two steps out of a truck cab and twisting your ankle when you land. Mm. <laughs> and, like, oh. Tom Cruise is famous for, like, oh, yeah, I do my own stunts. And it's like... Yes, but what you got to understand, Tom, <laughs> is the way the film industry works is people are freelance, self-employed. They get a gig, it gets lined up. They block out three, four weeks, months, whatever, how big the project is in their diary because you are the star of this movie. And then you decide you're going to do a stunt where you jump over a chair and twist your ankle and you can't shoot again for the next two months. They are then off that shoot. They have to find other work. When that shoot comes back in, they may not be available. They might not get to finish that project because you wouldn't let a stuntman do the stunt. So, like, it's not a criticism of Tom Cruise. It's cool what he does, but you don't think of that side of it either. Yeah, that's right. That's one way to look at it, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So a massive tangent there. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not a problem. Uh, that's what I do. Let's talk about American Werewolf in London. Let's chuck Tom Cruise in there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he was in The Mummy. That was Universal Monsters, wasn't it? Yeah, wasn't a fan of that one, to be honest with you. I'm not. Yeah. I'm, I'm not really. Don't throw loads. People don't throw stuff. I'm not a massive Tom Cruise fan, to be honest with you. Um, never <laughs> have been. I'm a man from the '80s, but Top Gun's my least favourite '80s movie. If I'm honest with you. <laughs> so, really interesting. So you won't be going to see Maverick then? I'm not interested. I'm. I'm uh, being a film fan that I am. Tom Cruise has never done it for me. He's always been the sort of popular kid at school, which I wasn't, if you know what I mean. So <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, more yeah. of the underdog, you know, Ghostbusters, Axel Foley, that type of thing. So yeah. people that I can relate to, but no, Tom's, he's just a little bit too shiny teeth and stuff like that. But I, I say, just my opinion. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. This is where it's led us. American Werewolf in London has led us to Tom Cruise and stuntmen not getting Oscars. So we need yeah. to sort that one out. <laughs> oh, I mean, in terms dear. of sort of the, the physicality of the wolf as well in this, um, like we say, he's, he's on all fours, which I don't mind because that face design is what it is. And I, I just think that the evilness they put into that face, the, the yellow eyes, the scrunched up lines going down towards the nose and the teeth are... S There's so much teeth! Um, yeah. I was, I was watching an outtake on that DVD. There were some bits on it that were interesting. And it was the bit where it's sort of running through Leicester Square. So they're mm -hmm. tracking with the camera. And it's basically just a guy with his hand in his head going, rah, 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 rah. 
Um, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think I've seen it actually on yeah. yeah. Clip. You got the woman there. She's just putting. They're, they're giggling. There's no mm. soundtrack, unfortunately, because it was obviously on film. Mm. Um, but she's putting like uh, slobber in in the mouth of the wolf, and you're like, "That's lube, isn't it?" Everyone's laughing because that's lube. You're in. You're in Leicester Square opposite a porn theatre. I reckon you'd. It's probably the best thing for the job. It's probably KY Jelly. You know? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Works for everything, doesn't it? Eh? I'm not like, yeah, everyone on film set sniggers about that shit, and I guarantee you that's what was going on. Give me some KY. And then, of course, you've got the famous scene here, which all the kids used to talk about at school, actually, was the head rolling over the car. Yeah. The police officer's head getting cut off, isn't it? And uh, I seem to remember everybody talking about that. Um, yeah. And it's also Most worth mentioning, isn't it? The inept cop, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Comes in. We're going to go and find him. And he walks yeah. into a door that's sort of closed. Do you know what I mean? And that's what he said earlier with this film. It's just, you don't know how to take it. Do you know what I mean? The film's great, but you just think, what what direction is this going into? You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. what the fuck? <laughs> the bit that's bugged me ever since I was a kid, ever since that first viewing, right? Mm. Is the wolf is in the center at the end of the alleyway. Now, the thing about line of sight and trajectory is that if you walk down the center of the alleyway towards the target and get close to it, and the snipers are at the other end of the alleyway, yeah. you've closed their line of sight massively. Mm. <laughs> like, even the ones slightly to the side, they're going to struggle to shoot past you. Like, she'd have caught a bullet in the leg at least. Yeah, yeah, but exactly. That, that yeah. really irked me. Yeah. <laughs> And that's the other thing they changed in this film as well, isn't it? The silver bullets. Yeah. Because um, I'm figuring that you, they just die by old, by getting shot by ordinary rounds. Uh, yeah. So uh, they just try to change the the mythos a little bit there with this film. Yeah, it was um, dismissed, wasn't it? Because there's a line. Oh, do I need to get silver bullets? I'm like, Duh. No, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. That's it. Go go and find a, a Dick Miller occult shop somewhere selling uh, silver bullets, which uh, isn't in this film. It's in the other one, but, um, but the idea of victims coming back to taunt you until you pass on the curse or commit suicide—that that is a that's a fresh. I mean, I, obviously it's the first movie like this I saw, so I don't know if it was a fresh take. But having seen what I have since, um, I, I think that's a pretty interesting idea that they went for, and it was so well done. And like skeletal Jack at the end again. Yeah, it looks a bit clunky, but all at the same time, it's really good. Um, and I love the couple. You killed them on Wednesday. Hello! Yeah, yeah, that's it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for God's sake, do yourself over, because I don't want to be sat in this cinema watching dodgy porn for the rest of my <laughs> purgatory life or whatever it is. It's in. <laughs> and then just a protracted list of ways you could kill yourself. <laughs> so, so, yeah. so dark. And I, I remember sort of, I found that light relief when I was a kid and I was scared. And that, I think that's one of the scenes that sort of won me back to it. Mm. And I think by that point, I was just like, oh, obviously it was a bit excited because it was more boobs. Um, but <laughs> then it was also uh, just the roller coaster, like the, the bigness at the end of it, the cars crashing. Um, I just got carried away with it all. On this rewatch, um, I just realized the, the, the nuance of the comedy a lot more. And then when all the cars are crashing and that woman gets completely fucking run over, um, that that's one of those, like, if I'm at Fright Fest and something like that happens, it's way! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is it. Of course, Fright Fest is just down the, well, literally on the same street, isn't it? To where you yeah. are in Leicester Square, isn't it? So it's kind of yeah. got that sort of mood to it. Um, yeah, I wish I'd been there the year that he brought the remaster 
and did the Q and A and everything. I, I would love to have been in the room for that. Oh, uh, Gordon yeah. actually was from Little Pot of Horrors. He was oh, there wow. that year. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, just before we wrap this up, though, but um, there's another film that I always think's got the same sort of vibe to it. Maybe it's because it's set in London. Is I think it's another Landis movie, which is Life Force. Oh yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You know, I watched that and it's almost like I feel like I can back to back it with American Werewolf in London because it's got that same sort of thing, you know? So. It does, doesn't it? Is, I don't know if it's an inept law enforcement that sort of goes with that one. Yeah, but. do you know what I mean? I just thought I'd chuck that one in there whilst we're talking yeah. about this. But, um, oh, what a classic. Too, it is, isn't it? Yeah, it's the same sort of thing, yeah. same sort of shit going on. You've got boobs in that movie as well, haven't you? <laughs> Non-stop. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. I mean, I, uh, I have a type for what I like in the ladies, and I think that film may have been influential on what that type is. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but also, again, prosthetics, like the the, the sucking a corpse dry, um, very sort of Night of the Living Dead type yeah, corpse yeah, exactly. look to that. Yeah, that's I, right. I thought that was all pretty well done. That hasn't aged awfully. Uh, it's just a bit long as a movie, isn't it? They actually used one of those, you know, one of the corpses that they suck dry. They used that in the 1999 Mummy movie, just I as a bit of it. Yeah, it's one of the same ones. So there you go, a little bit of life force chucked into that film. And that's a film that I do enjoy, but I think the special effects have aged badly, if that right. makes sense. You know what I mean? With the CGI and all that. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was, that, that, was, that was pushing the boundaries. That was Toby Hooper, wasn't it, did that? Uh, did he produce it? I mean, now he had a hand in it. I think it was Toby Hooper, actually. Yeah, I'm trying to think now. So yeah, um, but you know, they're you know they're good good films to watch on eleven they're eleven more eleven o'clock at night movies to yeah. watch. You know, with a beer and sitting in me underpants for all my faults. You know what I mean? <laughs> 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 don't judge me, please. Don't judge me, but that's me. <laughs> so where are you on the modern horror right now? Like, what's what's floated your boat in the last sort of year or so? Uh. Uh, good question. Um, I'm just watching. Um, well, I'll just talk about what I've watched recently. Uh, I knew this. This is going to come. Up. I'm watching Squid Game at the moment. Stuff uh, like that. One episode, and I'm hooked. So yeah. See that uh, so stuff like that that's coming out at the moment. Um, mm. But if I'm really honest with you, Bo, Boz, um, I almost called you Bo. Then it's Bo. It's easy done. Same, We're both same awesome. sort of thing. <laughs> All right. I keep going back to the old. Cla- I keep going back to the old classics. Okay. Uh, do you know what I mean? I, I keep. I don't know what it is. I just. I suppose whether it's just sort of comfort food to me or something like that. Um, there's a lot of stuff that I missed growing up. So stuff like the Changeling is something that I watched recently. Hmm. Um, I, I keep chucking in Return of the Living Dead and uh, part three. Stuff. Well, yeah. So. Uh, but you know, modern modern horror. No, there is some really good stuff that's come out, like um, films like uh, Quiet Place, Hereditary. Mm. Um, I think horror is kind of doing really well at the moment. Do you know what I mean? It's 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 become more popular now than it probably was, say in the certainly in the noughties. It, I mean, it's more legitimate, and it, it's it's getting more sophisticated. I think as well, we're getting mm. more sophisticated horror uh, without. Okay, yeah, some of it's pretentious, but a lot of it isn't coming off as pretentious. It's just really well yeah, done, I... and it's got proper budgets, and there's some good stuff. And and there's still the really strong indie scene as well. well uh, yes, I watched one yeah. last night because I heard Duncan McLeish talk about it, 
um, on his little first seven reviews, and I'd missed <laughs> it completely uh, on Shudder. And I'd, I'd looked at the poster and I just scanned straight past it. It just shows how ignorant I can be. But it's Barbara Crampton and Larry Fessenden as a, as a couple. Right. Um, it's called Jacob's that wife. Right. Hmm? Barbara Crampton, I like the sound of that already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, she, it's one of her... She's had this resurgence uh, over the last few years. And the films have been hit and miss. Hmm. And her performances have also been hit and miss. I'll, I'll admit it. There was one... I can't remember what it was called. Played at Fryfest Halloween. Uh, it was her and her daughter. Um, and it was wooden as fuck. It was right. absolutely awful. And I was like, oh, Barbara, no. Mm. And I, I was almost getting worried that she was putting herself to stuff that wasn't so good. Because she'd done stuff like um, We Are Still, Still Here, which is a really good film. And she's fantastic in that. Um, uh, and what was the other one? Road Games, I think. She did one with a VA, VHS um, shop wasn't it? Two brothers with the video tape or something like that. Yeah, oh, yeah, Beyond the Gates. I mean, again, Beyond that's not her best performance, but nah. she's playing the guy from Atmosphere on a VHS tape. I don't oh, know how good does I it have to be, that. but I remember that. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. love that film. <laughs> um, um, that's where my Graham Skipper Man Crush started. Um, so yeah, well, uh, anyway. I think. My, I think. Uh, well, yeah, we're all, all allowed those. Don't worry about that. It's fine. My <laughs> missus is well, well aware of that. Uh, you know. But, but, but this this Jacob's wife performance, uh, her and Larry, just it, it's such a fun movie. Mm. It's not what you expect. It's a bit hokey in places, but you love it for it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she is superb in that film. Yeah, I'm, I mean, um, another film that comes to mind for me, which was quite surprising, I quite liked um, uh, Colour Out Space and Mandy for a Nicolas oh, Cage yeah. scene. Do you know what I mean? I just thought, you know, it's, it's in the sort of indie... Um, horror bracket but all of a sudden you know Cage he, he tends to chuck a load of movies out and all of a sudden I thought oh he's he, he tends to be suiting horror quite well yeah. at the moment do you know what I mean and I he's enjoying horror because he, he just he gets to oversell it like the Rage Cage thing if it pisses you off then just don't watch anything he's done in the last five or six years uh, if you love it just seek out everything because uh, he has one line I've realised in pretty much every movie that slays me. Uh, it, in Color Out of Space, it was something about the alpacas. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember exactly what it was. No, but he just yells about the alpacas. For it me, hilarious. it was him in the car where, where the shit went so bad that Cage just had this rage in the car. He just went, I'll be back in a minute. And he sits in the car. Yes. Sorry for anybody spoiling spoil his movie. And he just goes, <laughs> you know, it's like, well, Yeah, it doesn't need words sometimes. No, no. And, then and uh, but I, I saw at Fright Fest this year, um, Prisoners in a Ghostland. Oh fuck me! Sono movie. I watched that the other night. Go on, what do you think of that? Jesus, oh, my, mad as a box of frogs. What it's not f- my cup of tea at all. But the, there's one line in that which I'm not going to spoil for people. Hmm. Um, but he does that whole raising his voice towards the end of it, uh, and again, I just burst out laughing. Just yeah, brilliant. I've got to admit. I, I wasn't a fan of it. I wanted to be. Huh? I had everything, <laughs> had everything in there. I should have really enjoyed. I just couldn't. I don't know. Something no, those things are too self-indulgent for me. Mm. Yeah, they just. I don't know what the point is, and I don't think you want me to know what the point is, and I don't think you care. This is the director that I know what the point is, and in which case I'm not that interested. Mm. Uh, some of the visuals are good, but yeah, it was it fell flat for me as well. No, but one, that one line almost redeemed it entirely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the one I the one I preferred out of that was obviously 
as I've just mentioned, man, the colour out of space. I quite enjoyed the Woody's Wonderland. Um, purely for, again, spoiler, Nicolas Cage killing an animatronic doll with a fucking uh, plunger from the toilet. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> okay, got my five bucks worth out of this. <laughs> of course, I need to see Pig as well, because uh, I haven't seen that pop up anywhere, but I know that's doing the rounds, so that's his latest one. I've heard that's supposed to be quite good as well. Yeah, I think I think it's a bit more serious. Hmm. I don't know. Knowing Nicolas Cage, it probably isn't. <laughs> he's done. He's done basically everything in his career, isn't he? Do you know what I mean? I remember him from the nineties with Con Air and The Rock mm. and films like that, and then Raising Arizona and uh, Red. I Rock. even like Drive Angry. I, I didn't hate that either. <laughs> Some funny scenes in that, wasn't there? Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I think that was that was us getting early Rage Cage. Um, and, and mum and daddy was great at that as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that really that question you said to me earlier about what, what what horror is doing it for me at the moment, I suppose it is Nicolas Cage in horror. Anything with Rage Cage and you're in. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I can't help myself. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's like that sort of it's like that last beer in the fridge that I think I might just save for tomorrow night, and I'm like, oh fuck it, go on. <laughs> That's what the RJ stands for, Rage Cage McCready. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> well, there you go, boss. I think what we'll do is we'll end it on Cage, because I, I honestly don't think we're going to get any better than, or higher than that on this episode. So I think we'll go on a, on, on a, on a good one. So, always, um, Thanks for coming on to the show today, boss. It's been uh, it's been great. It's been thanks, real, Tommy. Real been fun. an honour. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just before I wrap it up, I know you've been talking about your lightsabers and all that. Have you got any more um, guest spots? Or I know you did a lot with Duncan, didn't you, on the old sort of roulettes and all that? So yeah, I've um, I sort of joked with him the other night that I'm I'm squatting on the podcast under the stairs and he hasn't noticed yet. <laughs> So uh, I'm just I'm playing that for all it's worth. Uh, yeah, we we did a show this week. It'll be out soon, um, and I've got Fright Fest Halloween coming up again. So yeah. he wants me to do a roundup with some of the movies on there because the new uh, Alex de Iglesias film is playing, which right. we are very excited about because we love him. Fantastic. So, or Alex of the Church, as I call him, because that's what his name means. Great stuff, man. Honestly, don't. I mean, I, I love Duncan. I've followed this show for a very long time. Swear to God, there's a fucking clone of that man. Yeah, you know there's I mean? three of him. I mean, I've yeah. I've dabbled in podcasting, as you know. Do you know what I mean? Running this show, I can just about get three shows out if I can. You know, but I don't know. He does it. Yeah, that, I'm, uh, that summer series is insane. How? Absolutely insane. Like yeah. the. If there's, if there's Oscars for podcasting, just for the most ridiculous project possible, there should be some. He should be winning some kind of award. He needs to uh, be. Yes, he does. Yeah, <laughs> he does. It's like five hours per show, one <laughs> per year, then three roundtables at the end, which it's impossible to do one of those in less than six hours. Um, it kicked my ass, and I only did three of them. <laughs> so. Yeah. I don't... <laughs> It's one of those. I think when it, you know, I do this uh, mystery show. I think I'm going to do Duncan McLeish. I'm going to spend 30 minutes talking about him and trying to work it out. So, <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I think it's as simple as he just doesn't need to sleep. But yeah, it's oh, um, there you go. <laughs> I mean, the summer series was great. It's the first one I've ever done. Yeah. Uh, as I said on the show, uh, there was no point having me on any of the earlier ones because I don't watch old movies. So 2010s is my jam. It's 
it's what I know. It's my wheelhouse. So, uh, but having said that, all the other hosts clearly watched too many old films because they all got it wrong. Uh, so yeah, um, Deathgasm uh, was the best film of the decade, and nobody contra- voted for it, so they're all completely wrong. Little bit of controversy there in that show, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, been saying it since day one, but you know, some, they just yeah, won't hear it. I've, I've, I've listened to the show. Some <laughs> tension in there. There definitely is. Yeah, it's. <laughs> no, so I mean that's my joke answer, but I honestly think Tigers Are Not Afraid is the best film of mm. the 2010s. Squid so, hands down. Squid Game. There you go. Got a Squid Game scenario <laughs> there, mate, on that show. Uh, all right, Buzz. Well, listen, it's been a pleasure. Um, Thank you, mate. I'm sure I'll have you back on the show again in the future. We'll, we'll yeah, I'd talk love some to. movies. Maybe do maybe do a modern movie you like in modern movies. So we'll we'll find something to talk about. So. Um, cool. There you go, guys. I uh, hope you enjoyed the show. That's American Werewolf in London, which has t- touched on uh, Tom Cruise and Nicolas Cage. As always, that's where we end up. <laughs> so, I uh, hope you enjoyed that. A uh, little bit of admin for the show. I'm a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network, so please go and check out all the other shows on there, including my other show, the Mystery Vault Podcast. Uh, you can find this show on iTunes, Spotify, and several other players on the internet. If you put in bite sized cinema into Google, it'll take you to somewhere you can listen to the show. We also have a Facebook page, so that's where I'm most active. Put anything on there that you want me to, if there's something you want me to review, let me know. Um, so let's talk about what I'm going to be doing next. I'm going to be doing uh, Brandon Lee's The Crow. I'm going to be trying to do that for um, before. Uh, the end of October and that's going to be with Kung Fu Dave and um, yeah that's it guys so as always keep it bite sized keep it safe and I'll see you soon this show then make sure you check out the other great shows on the legion podcast network like cinema psyops cinema beef devour the podcast duncan and Bo come correct exploding heads horror movie podcast friday the 13th get slayed the hell Ming power hour hello this is the doom show hero hero ghost show kill the cast underwater kaiju from outer space jerry hates action legion after dark metal health obsessive cinema discourse Pick Six Movies, the podcast by the cemetery, the podcast on Haunted Hill, the Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.